we, we didn't come here to be good. All right, that's not why we're here today. We came here to be great. Second and goal from the three. Offset eye in the backfield with Stackhouse and Gunn. There's a snap. Manning back to throw. Swings it to Gunn. He catches it at the one. Drives it. Hey guys, John Making Gillespie here with the Grove Report podcast. I'm the publisher of the Grove Report. Uh, you can find us at thegrovereport.com. Uh, got a couple guests with me today, uh, Matt Galatson and John Garcia Jr. Uh, here with uh, this podcast as part of the uh, Sports Illustrated Network and Fan Nation. Uh, guys, how are we doing today? Doing well. Excited to be here. This is the debut, right? First episode? Yeah, it's... Uh, you guys are are here for the uh, the rolling out of the red carpet, so to speak. It's uh, it's it should be a national holiday, but it's not. I guess we should paint the end zones or something. <laughs> yeah. Matt, how's it going? Yeah, good. This is uh, this is going to be a fun weekend, I think, for uh, for Ole Miss fans everywhere with just a Manning extravaganza uh, all over the place in Oxford. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, and and you know, I, I think that's. That's one of the the biggest storylines that is is taking place this weekend is all of the the Manning fanfare that's taking place in Oxford. But you know there is a game that's going to take place too. Um, so I mean, but but yeah, Eli Manning's getting his his jersey number retired. Um, there's a a recruit that is going to be uh, on hand that um, you may or may not have heard of in Arch Manning. Uh, so it's it's going to be it's going to be a big a big weekend in Oxford. Um, obviously, I'm I'm excited for it as as a journalist. I, I look forward to uh, to any kind of any kind of news or um, any any kind of excitement like there is like like this to cover uh, uh, in in this business. And and for me, I mean, it's it's kind of ironic because uh, the first the first Ole Miss football season I actually remember was Eli Manning's senior year here at Ole Miss, 2003. That's, that's the, first, the first real memories I have um, of, of football. So, and I'm sure you, you guys may have a little, little more vivid memories of, of his time in Oxford, but that's the first one that, that I really remember. You trying to call me old or? No, uh, not necessarily, no. <laughs> but you, you, you call yourself old to me quite often. So That's true. No, I, I totally agree. Uh, this is going to be a, a, a pretty exciting weekend. I mean, I, I, I go a little bit farther back than you, and I, I know that uh, Garcia does as well. But, uh, it you know, my earliest memories of a football date back to the Dallas Cowboys in the early 90s and the Super Bowls against the, 
the Buffalo Bills. So that kind of, you know, dates me a little bit. But as far as Eli goes, you know, it's there, there are a few names more synonymous with a, with a single sports program or franchise than the name Manning with Ole Miss. So everything that's happening this weekend is going to be very, very planned and coordinated and special. And if there's anybody out there who was kind of on the fence about going, go. Because I, I feel like this weekend's not going to be something that they're going to want to miss, especially, um, you know, I mean, Eli's doing the walk of champions through the Grove. Eli has his name painted in the damn end zone. So <laughs> it's uh, it, it's going to be a special one. Yeah, I, 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 had, I don't know if I've ever seen a singular surname in the end zone of a Power 5 uh, college football program, but here we are. Uh, it, it's 2021, and um, I like it. Um, I, you know, I think the Kobe Bryant retirement tour reminded everybody to, you know, give these legends their flowers while, while they're still here, and of course there's an extra and sad irony on top of that. With, with Kobe in particular, but when he when he was going through that tour, every single stadium, it was kind of annoying at the time just because you just wanted to get the Sports Center highlights and, and not worry about that. But, you know, he was getting gifts and all this stuff. So, you know, let's let's give our heroes, our the icons, the legends, all of that, the flowers, why, why, while they're still here, while, in this case, while Eli is still young, and, and just paint the end zones uh, with Manning. And I think it's already been painted as of uh, Wednesday evening. So they wasted no time uh, making this a thing. And the storylines on and off the field with, with LSU in town, with Coach O in town, are, are just kind of dramatic. This could be its own little 30 for 30, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, the 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 Manning legacy at, at Ole Miss, I mean, the – the speed limits even are after their jersey numbers 18 and 10 um, on, on campus here in Oxford. And, I mean, it's just, you know, it's something that's definitely, I think, very well marketable for the football program, for athletic communications, you know, all those things. And, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's going to be a very, a very special day for Ole Miss fans, especially those who are old enough to remember um, when, when Eli was here. And it's, it's kind of ironic that it's happening um, on the Magnolia Bowl weekend with LSU because, you know, Eli's senior year against LSU, he had a chance to win the freaking Heisman. And, you know, if it hadn't been for, you know, tripping over his center's leg there at the, at the end of that game in 2003, um, he might have, he might've won it. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of, kind of poetic how, how things are kind of shaping up this weekend, I think. And isn't that kind of the most old Miss thing ever, too, <laughs> is to lose your Heisman Trophy in the biggest game of the year when you tr- in, a, in, in the rivalry game at the end of the season when you when you have a chance to go to the, didn't they have a chance to go, I can't remember exactly didn't they have a chance to go to the SEC title as well? Yeah, if they, they if they game? had beaten LSU, they would have been the sole. I know they claim that it's a partial West championship in two thousand three, but. No, they would have been the sole West champion in 03 and would have gone to Atlanta that year had had Ole Miss knocked off LSU. Right. And then, you know, that that's that's things like that have happened throughout Ole Miss's history. I mean, just a couple of years ago with the whole fourth and twenty whatever Arkansas debacle, um, you know, the the treadwell in the end zone thing with, with Auburn. There's just so many, so many moments like that. Obviously the treadwell thing was a little bit more serious, but 
you know what I mean? There, there's, there's always something that seems to be standing in the way for Ole Miss. And I think that Lane Kiffin has sort of started to reverse some of those trends in, in his own way. I mean, last year, you know, things were up and down, but this year, I, I can't remember a team or a coach that Ole Miss has had in recent memory where they would not have lost that Arkansas game or where they would not have lost that Tennessee game. So Holy. that's um, also another thing to kind of watch this weekend is this this feels like such a trap game for Ole Miss in the sense that, you know, it's LSU. They're the, they're the, the big brother, so to speak. Um, nobody crucify me for saying that on the podcast, please. But uh, it, it, it's true. It, 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 it seems like a weekend where in the past Ole Miss would be favored to come in. They would get there and they would do something stupid at the end of the game to lose. And that's, that's something that, you know, you're going to have to, keep, everybody's going to have to keep their eyes on going forward. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with that. And it's, um, you know, I, I have, I have thought to myself um, for the last couple of weeks that, you know, Nothing against former staffs that have been in Oxford, but I don't think Ole Miss wins the games against Arkansas and the games against and the game against Tennessee um, in in previous years. I mean, because I I actually told someone in the press box during the Arkansas game, I was like, you know, I've I've seen this movie before. I think I know how it ends, uh, and it didn't end that way. You know, that's that's just that's just kind of I don't know. It's and and some of some of those things are intangible so to speak I guess but um that's that's just kind of how how I see that that things are kind of that those those bounces that Ole Miss hasn't always gotten are starting to kind of go their way a little bit have y'all watched the coach O at um Hummer commercial yet this week that is probably the single greatest commercial ever put to screen actually <laughs> yeah, no, no I agree no I mean you know, Ole Miss might not have been nails on the field, but y'all could have got a Hummer NIL deal if we could, you know, somehow get to that point. Um, yeah, uh, I agree with you guys. You know, as from from more of an outside perspective, same kind of deal. Um, I, you always expect Ole Miss to be entertaining and fun, and, and that certainly still applies, but not necessarily when it matters most in the thick of it, as they say. You expect uh, the other team to just have either more guys or more belief or more of more of the intangibles, uh, as John said. So uh, trap game with LSU in town should not be possible, but I get it right. LSU's down a billion players. All of their best players are hurt, it seems like. Um, and there's no expectation. It's a lame duck head coach, of course, with ties to, to the Rebels and, and Coach O. Um, there's there's really no reason to expect LSU to play well. There's no reason to expect LSU to be able to keep up with the Ole Miss offense. Of course, that's provided Matt Corral's good, and I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point, smokescreen or not. Uh, but it is a sign of the times and how quickly they can change if LSU's coming to your place for a spectacle kind of game and it feels like a trap. I mean, what, what a time to be alive. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree, and I'm glad that you touched on that that Coach O thing because that's that's one of the the biggest the biggest stories in the college sports landscape this week this past week, right? I mean that he's he's out at the end of the year, um, and it, it just so happens that that the first game after that announcement is in Oxford, where he spent three years and 
Um, you know, Ole Miss fans don't remember him very fondly, but he he did go on to eventually win a national title at LSU with uh, what was kind of the perfect storm uh, there, so to speak. But um, yeah, again, it's just it's it's something that is is kind of poetic in a sense that you know his his demise at LSU is still in a sense tied to. Ole Miss, or will be remembered with with an Ole Miss game because right after right after that announcement came, he's he's coming to Oxford. I mean, that's just I don't know. It's funny how the stories can kind of write themselves a little bit sometimes. Yeah, I was I was at Ole Miss in school when Ed when Ed Orgeron was hired. It was my freshman year of college when he got brought on, and I have to say that was probably the the most chaotic three years of Ole Miss football I can remember in terms of just like you, you you didn't know what to expect from a day-to-day basis on the field. Things were unorganized and, you know, it, it, it was, it was always, it was always a show, you know, they, they were either getting their brains beat in or, you know, they're, they're, they're beating state 59 to nothing or whatever that score was. And, all the coach antics in between with the media and, you know, probably throwing chairs and all kind. I mean, it, he was, he was, he had a lot to learn by the time he left Ole Miss. And, um, you know, according to a lot of, a lot of what people are saying, including our colleagues over at SI.com, uh, you know, they, a lot of those issues are still kind of, kind of hanging around, it seems, <laughs> which, I don't know if that should surprise me or not, but it's, you know, Coach O's going to Coach O, I guess. Yeah, and um, I'm pretty sure that uh, Dellinger had a good story um, about this whole situation uh, with with O. And, um, you know, just kind of going through some of those some of those details, I mean, it's just like, yeah, I mean, in a sense, you know, I hate to use the term grown up, but, I mean, in a, in a sense he has evolved as a coach. But then again – in a sense, a lot of the issues that were present at Ole Miss seem to kind of still be there. I mean, in in his, you know, whether it be personally or how he runs a program, you know, what it, whatever it may be. Yeah, there was a lot of smoke. Uh, even in that title team, there was a lot of smoke around the future and the culture. And uh, it wasn't a coincidence that I, all the big names leaving got all the storylines, but a lot of the smaller names left too, whether it be players, support staff, etc recruiting staff so uh yeah that was like you said earlier perfect storm on the way up and kind of a consistent downhill storm uh, on the way down and, and now here we are but you know hey he uh as he said he's got enough money to buy a hamburger so congratulations have y'all seen that first that. have y'all seen that first buyout check number I don't think so. Oh my God! It's like five point nine five million or something that he's getting in like a couple of months. Seems seems decent. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, let me let me ask y'all this. I mean, I know that this is an almost podcast and stuff, but it is relevant. Do y'all think he coaches again? I'll let you go first, John. Hundred percent. Yes. Um, it's not easy to hire him at a high level for an athletic department, given the climate in 2021, given a lot of, I was going to say some of the baggage, given a lot or most of the baggage that is tied to his name, but um, college football, football in general has a way of, of 
forgiving and, and former Ole Miss coaches that are now all of a sudden hot again can attest to this. So I think in a couple of years, he bounces back. He, he's, he is still a great recruiter. He is still um, a respected defensive line coach. You know, will, will he, will his ego allow him to be a D line coach at a, you know, middle upper tier power five school? I don't know, but I do think he will get offers beginning this off season, even uh, to, to join a staff in some capacity. And I know there's been a lot of jokes about him going to, to the Nick Saban um, rehabilitation clinic, but uh, that I do not see. Uh, I think with most coaches, you can just imagine it immediately. I can't imagine it with Coach O. I actually kind of believe him when he says, I'm going to take a year off. I'm going to, you know, in, enjoy my family and go from there. But I do think, you know, that guy, that guy's wired for, for contact. He's wired for um, flirting with the edge, uh, no pun intended. So I, I think he, he bounces back here in the next couple of years with, with another job. I'm not saying a head job. I don't even know if it's a coordinator job, but I, I do think a that he will be coveted for, for quite, quite a while. Well, he, so I, I agree. And to a certain extent, I, I don't think he'll be a head coach and I don't think he'll be a coordinator. I, I think he probably resurfaces somewhere as like a, a defensive line coach at like a Louisiana Lafayette or Louisiana Monroe or, you know, some Sun Belt school that, that needs uh, sort of a jump start, maybe Arkansas State. Um, but he, he kind of, he, he was kind of a, 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 I thought he was always kind of a lame duck head coach in a sense that he, he was kind of a, he was kind, kind of a guy that, it was almost like a puppet or like a mascot. He wasn't ever a true head coach. Like he wasn't the guy that, that got them to the national championship. It was Joe Brady and Joe Burrow that got that done. You know, he, he's a motivator and a, and almost like a, almost like a meme. <laughs> if you know yeah, what I mean? There's no almost about it. Yeah. That, I don't think that he, he's really built to, to go anywhere else besides, the Southeast and Louisiana anymore, you know, USC was fun and that had its whole thing and that got in the job at LSU or, you know, all that stuff. But look, he's going to resurface somewhere eventually. And I think it'll probably be somewhere where he's comfortable and he doesn't have to go too far and he can still be himself. And that's not really going to be anywhere that's um, high profile, so to speak. If one of these G5 schools that are hot, lose their coach, right? Coastal Carolina, Louisiana, Lafayette, or just University of Louisiana now. I'm going to get in trouble for that one. Um, do they do they even call? Do, do you call Coach O if it happens? If all this happens in December, do you even call them if you're one of those ADs? Because it will splash on your campus. Yeah, at, at, at this point, I would say no. But, I mean, obviously, I'm not a collegiate AD. But, I mean, at this point, I would say with, with all – I mean, I mean, because – there's a lot of stuff that has just gone on in the background of, of this whole Coach O situation at LSU. I mean, it's just – I don't know. I mean, you mentioned it a second ago. I don't know that a school wants to take on that kind of baggage this quick, if that makes sense. Let me paint a scenario for you guys. <laughs> I actually just came up with this in my head. It's kind of interesting. So, let's say, you know, obviously LSU is pushing for all these big-time names – in their coaching search with, with O heading out, it's, you know, you hear names like 
uh, Jimbo Fisher and, you know, Lane Kiffin's been thrown around in there and Mel Tucker and, um, you know, Dave Aranda. And, and there, there's more and more and more. I, I even saw somewhere where they put Sark on the on, or coach Sark, Steve Sarkeesian on the, uh, on the hot board. And I was just like, what are you guys doing? Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but let's say they kind of strike out. Right. And I mean, I wouldn't call this a strikeout, but they don't get Mel Tucker. They don't get Jimbo, which I don't think they will. And, you know, Lane stays put. Billy Napier is pretty high on that list. So what if Billy Napier, you know, heads over to Baton Rouge from, from Lafayette? I see where you're going. And Coach O's just sitting there. <laughs> you have to at least be a little bit intrigued if you're Louisiana to at least give him a call, right? It's a fair trade. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> like it's, it's basically yeah. an NFL trade or no, it's, yeah. it's like when, it's like when the nets traded, for, traded Jason kid or traded for Jason kid or whatever it was like, or doc rivers when he got traded to the, to the Clippers, like how, how do you not at least make a phone call if you're Louisiana? <laughs> I think you do. I think they would. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think, um, no, I, I I think yeah. Like now, he is, now, I've got, he now literally, I've got a scenario to hope for. That's 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 what we're talking about now. I have a scenario that I'm hoping for. He's <laughs> quite literally a raging Cajun. <laughs> and that's the title of the podcast. <laughs> so it's kind of like it's it's kind of a perfect fit. At least we have a title of nothing else. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. They can yeah. never take it away from us. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I do think you're, I do think you're right. Um, uh, I don't think it'll happen, but I do think that that, that would be, I mean, uh, it's not out of the question, I don't guess. Um, so, but, uh, but yeah, well, let's, let's pivot a second. Let's, let's talk about um, the game itself. I mean, we've talked about a lot of the stuff surrounding the game. Um, there was some pretty big, kind of injury news, I guess. Um, I'll let y'all kind of say whether you think it's legitimate or not. Um, let's talk about Matt Corral a minute. Um, do, do y'all think that Lane Kiffin was was throwing up a smoke screen earlier this week, or do you think that there's something to uh, legitimately be concerned about? So I, I'll take this first. I, at first, I didn't think it was a smoke screen because I watched Corral – and he stood up after the after the injury and then immediately fell back down because he couldn't put any weight on it. And then on the first play after that long delay, he lost his footing and slipped. And I was like, oh, my God, his ankle almost looks dead. But if it wasn't for what Coach O said, you know, and then Lane's response to it where he he retweeted a report from, some, from an Ole Miss uh, – an Ole Miss reporter, I don't remember who it was, talking about how, you know, Corral wasn't going to play. Like, all those little pieces are a recipe for, you know, it might be a little gamesmanship. I'm, I'm not saying it is or it isn't. It just kind of feels that way now that, you know, Coach O said that and then the reporter did that, and now it's kind of it's this whole mystery that's revolving around the game. As if we needed another storyline. Look, I, I do. I, I agree with you, Matt. I think there's some gamesmanship, but I think it was an out. I think it's an out for Lane 
if if for some reason Corral isn't ready and or he is not at the level, the Heisman Trophy contending level that we're we're used to, right? I mean, we, all the numbers are, are are all there, right? Gaudy numbers every single week, you know, um, pretty much carried the team on his back in, in, in that craziness um, last week. So I think it's a bit of an out from Lane, but I, you know, again, we've talked about it the whole show. What does Coach O have to lose? <laughs> what if, if nothing else, what is a potentially reckless accusation against your old friend in his resume of, of baggage or red flags, whatever you want to call it? What is a, a shameless accusation of, of smoke screening in this day and age? Um, I think there was no risk either way. But I do think it gives Lane a bit of an out if for some reason we see John Rice Plumley a little bit more, if we see Luke Altmaier a little bit more. I think it just gives gives Lane kind of an I told you so um, if and when the game plan does change. Um, and I think as we talk about this game, I think uh, we're going to see a different Matt Corral either way. I think you game plan around protecting him because, again, last week showed – the value of Matt Corral as if it wasn't already apparent. It is 1000% clear. This is your team. This is your logo. This, all the stuff we were talking about with Eli Manning in terms of what it means, this feels like that in a much smaller timeline. So protect that in the game plan. You know, you've got three good running backs or I don't know how healthy Eli is. You've got Parrish and Connor playing extremely well. Utilize them a little bit more. Use the quick passing game as an extension of the run game given your, your availability uh, at wide receiver, all of those things I think you see a little bit more of this week, regardless of, of how healthy Corral is. Yeah, and I, I would say um, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I, I personally, if I were to bet on it, I would say that Corral plays. Um, but just what exactly that necessarily looks like, you know, I don't know. Um, I mean, apparently he – he practiced this week or earlier this week and, you know, kind of normally. Um, so my, my gut tells me that he plays. And, and two, Kiffin has never been one to be up front with injury news. That's why, that's why this kind of took me aback this week is that, you know, the first time he's kind of up front with, with something injury related, it has to do with his Heisman contending quarterback. Um, you know, he, he's, He's kind of he's kind of always played his injury cards close to the vest, so to speak. Um, so that that's something that kind of surprised me this week. But but I would say that if if I were to 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 put money on it, I would say that yeah, Matt Corral suits up and and plays plays this week. I wouldn't bet on this game. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I was actually just looking at the SI sports book. And the spread is eight and a half uh, towards Ole Miss, of course. Uh, oof, I, there's there's way too much potential. Uh, I don't want to say voodoo, <laughs> but there's there's a lot going on around this game: injuries, storylines, and for what it's worth, I don't does does Ed Orgeron have the record for most games coached as an interim and or lame duck? Because if he doesn't have it, he's about to break it. Um, it, it, it's got to be close. Yeah. Right. It, it just gives you – I think John L. Smith probably is another 
it just gives you it just gives you freedom and he's got total freedom to do anything uh in terms of his personnel in terms of the game plan the whole thing um so i i don't know what to expect in this game honestly and i wouldn't even suggest it as an entertainment purposes only type of bet no way yeah and you know, to me, this line, like I wasn't expecting the line to open as large as it did, especially with LSU coming off of the week they had last week. I mean, obviously the the news, I'm sure, potentially impacted that. But, um, yeah, no, it, it kind of surprised me too. Um, and uh, for for that line to be as, as large as it was, um, I mean, obviously it, it moves as it, as it does every week. But, um yeah, no that that's that's something you you couldn't you couldn't pay me to bet on the game. Does that make sense? <laughs> I don't know that that even hundred percent is a thing. Of, like, there's a lot yeah. better lines out there uh, for for my fake money, my digital money. Um, I, although the total is interesting, seventy six. I my gut my gut says play the under there if you are inclined to do so. Just because I think we're going to see a lot more running from both teams. LSU yeah. feels revitalized in its rushing attack. Ty Davis had 287 against the Gators, um, which basically matched his his season total uh, coming into, into that Florida game. So LSU is all of a sudden feeling better about running the football. Uh, freshman Corey Kiner's a really good backup encounter to Ty, who's kind of a big downhill, uh, maybe classic SEC type of back. And again, uh, Ole Miss has always run it well. It corrals position masks that a little bit in, in the national media um I, and he's the leading rusher so it masks it even more but if you if you take a closer look Parrish and connor as their own kind of thunder and lightning have been really steady both averaging more than 5.1 yards per carry both comfortable in the short passing game and pass protection game as well um so it's almost regardless of ely's health I think Ole Miss is going to prioritize running the ball against a defense that's been vulnerable all season long. Um, and, and Ole Miss does have some depth, even if Ely's not ready to go. Plumlee can, can handle the football. Uh, Bullock has, has been kind of a nice um, underclassman surprise uh, when, when he's been asked to get in there. So um, I just think it's kind of a slower game uh, with, with a heavy run focus uh, on LSU side because they're so banged up. And the, their best receivers just aren't available. And then on Ole Miss's side, because kind of the same reason. Uh, well, going back to the line real quick, I, I want to tell you guys a quick story um, on why I never bet on Ole Miss. So, um, obviously, you know when you when you go to school somewhere um, and you have a you have a personal stake in a team or whatever the case may be, you don't. You 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 t- typically don't want to bet on them because it's going to break your heart just a little bit more if they lose and you lose your bet, right? Well, I was just kind of screwing around one day and I had like five dollars left over in my uh, my account online, my betting account, um, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put it all on a parlay. So I went to the site and I did like a 25 team parlay, and uh, it was starting at 11 a.m., ending 7 p.m. Well, the only 11 a.m. game I had that day, this was 2014, I believe. Yeah, 2014. The only, or no, it was 2013. It was one, it was, it was one of those days. Um, I think it was 2014. But 
Ole Miss was playing Memphis on the road at the Liberty Bowl under Hugh Freeze. And it was the game. That's, that's 15, Matt. That's, that's 15. Okay. Yep. Um, it was the game that Robert Kimdichi got the concussion when they put him in at fullback and tried to, you know, do that fancy goal line play. And that was the first game of my 25 team parlay and I lost it. So I was like, oh, well, it's five bucks, whatever. I go back and look at my account that night just to see which games I missed and which games I, I got right. I went 24 for 25 that day. Oh, my God. I would have won $15,000 if it wasn't for Hugh, <laughs> Hugh Freeze playing some cheap game at the goal line with Robert Kambichi. I've never been so quit. bad in my entire life. I would have quit, man. I would have retired from gambling. I would have retired from everything. Like, I would have just given up. Like, that's... I've pretty much given it up since then. It's, it's just a... After that, that was probably the most defeating sports gambling moment of my entire life, bar none. And um, yeah, so going back to the spread, I don't, I don't, I don't bet on Ole Miss when the spread is three points. I don't bet on Ole Miss when the spread is forty points. I just don't do it. Um, I don't know what the analytics are and how much they cover the spread or anything like that, but I just, I just don't do it anymore. Yeah, no, I, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say other than that, other than I'm, I'm sorry that that, that that happened to you and we're here for you. Um, well, John, John mentioned a minute ago the, uh, the, the rushing attack. And um, how, how do you think – this goes to both of y'all – how do you think the, the Ole Miss defense can maybe hold up against a rushing attack like, like that? I mean, do you think that, that last week, you know, was kind of a sign of progress or do you think that – you know, this defense still has has work to do in, in that area. I think a bit of both. Um, the Tennessee, Tennessee doesn't need – doesn't try to push the ball inside like LSU will, um, again, especially after their renewed confidence. But remember, you know, previous to last week, the whole LSU storyline was – the, the secondary is totally injured and they can't run the football. So Florida became the elixir to um, LSU's rushing woes. So I, I do think that it will balance a little bit back uh, to normal. I'll make a bold prediction and say Ty Davis won't have uh, 287 yards rushing in this one. Um, you know, Ole Miss is strong at the second level, much stronger than Florida. Um, they're big up front, and uh, Chance Campbell, Kia Henry, those guys fly downhill. I just don't see, especially with Boutte out, I just don't see LSU's vertical threat allowing or forcing Ole Miss to, to back off. I think Durkin's going to be aggressive, uh, and I think uh, this front seven will, will fly downhill uh, pretty much all afternoon and early evening on. I, I think – that's why I think Ole Miss is – or that's why I think LSU, I should say, on top of the Coach O news, is going to be really loose with their game plan. I think they're they're going to try to play laterally. They're going to run jet sweeps. They're going to try to get wide if possible uh, with some of the younger players uh, and maybe trick plays and all that stuff factors in as well. Uh, but I just don't see them being able to run downhill like Arkansas was able to a couple weeks ago because LSU does not have – that offensive line and does not have that personnel to do it with 
two, three, four different guys like like Arky did. Um, yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. I, I do think that they're going to be able to move the ball a little bit because, um, you know, Ole Miss's defense isn't exactly a you know world-beating defense, but I think once they got Springer back uh, and you kind of saw it against Tennessee, it really shored some things up um, sort of at multiple levels of the defense. And, uh, you know, him plus Otis Reese back there, um, those are two really important pieces that when they're when they're out there together, Ole Miss's defense seems a lot more stable and hard to move the ball against. And then, you know, Chance Campbell has just been incredible uh, this entire season. He got a little banged up against Tennessee. It seemed like literally everybody got banged up against Tennessee. But I do think they'll fare a little bit better than Florida. Um, it, I, I would still be a little bit concerned uh, overall just, in, you know, because – they're not, they're still giving up a lot of points. You know, there's still, there's still some issues there that need to be ironed out, but I mean, John's John, you know, Garcia is absolutely right. Lakia Henry and Chance Campbell and Otis Reese and, and Springer and all those guys, the, you know, Hill up front, I think they have a better chance against this, um, this LSU attack than Florida did for sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with, with the all's assessment. I, I like to get y'all's opinion out there first before I before I jump in with mine. But no, I I, I fully agree. I mean, I think that I think that Springer's definitely been a difference maker. Um, I mean, you saw that you saw that last week. Um, and I don't know. It's just I I don't I don't I don't feel like the the Ole Miss defense is obviously in in the same position it was a season ago, um, but. It it definitely does still have have work that needs to be done, and I think anybody who who is able to look at that objectively um, would would say the same thing. And um, no, I, I I fully agree with with that. Well, let me let me let me ask y'all this. I know that we're going to have a you know like we do every week a predictions piece that kind of comes out, but I kind of want y'all's initial thoughts on what what kind of the you know how, how y'all think the game will will shape out just generally um you know i i think that and again i, I don't like uh betting on Ole Miss or so don't you know because i give my prediction don't go running to bavada or or mgm and you know throw a hundred dollars down on my prediction by any i'm not an expert on that um but i will say that i, I think I do think Ole Miss is better than LSU at every position on the field. That Well, not every position on the field. I think they're better in every key matchup in the game than LSU, at least that I can think of in my head. So I'm going to give Ole Miss the edge, and I really don't think it's going to be close. It just kind of depends on how LSU like, – because the, the X factor here is how LSU shows up. Because if they show up like a team that was motivated two years ago or even last week against Florida, they can be a really dangerous team. I mean, it's still LSU. They have a ton of talent. But if they show up, you know, be, you know, like a, like almost like a lame duck, like Coach O is, it could get ugly. So I give Ole Miss the edge either way, but I, I do think that the big factor there is what type of LSU team we see on Saturday. 
nobody really questions Coach O's motivating ability. Um, I do feel like, though, compared to when he was the interim at LSU, when, and certainly when he was the interim at, at USC, I do feel like it's a different tone with the team. The rosters are much – this roster is much younger, uh, much less experienced. Um, and, again, even with that, all the best playmakers are out. So I, I think the mentality is going to be important for LSU, and, and I agree. I don't think it's going to be enough to put them over the top against this Ole Miss team. We talked about it earlier. It feels like this Ole Miss team doesn't lose the trap game. You know, it, it, it ever outside of that first half against Alabama, um, Ole Miss has dictated the pace in every single game. Ole Miss has pushed the envelope and built leads in every single game. So the question becomes not a matter of, of if, but a matter of when it happens against LSU. I mean, because Florida, Florida had, did what they wanted on offense. They just couldn't stop LSU uh, last week. Um so LSU stayed in the game because it was back and forth and LSU built that lead. So if Ole Miss comes out, how it has come out in every game, but one this year, I think this is probably a 31, 21 kind of win for, for Ole Miss. But I do think Corral's health is a huge storyline and can, can LSU hit the edge? Can LSU get to the edge on Ole Miss? Cause we have seen vulnerability there against that rebel defense. But again, which playmakers on that LSU roster are going to do it? They have a ton of injuries, kids in the portal, not a lot of depth at certain positions. I just don't – I don't know how they'll do it, but I think they'll try to get to the edge because up the middle, second and third level, Ole Miss is really strong uh, against the run. So I think you, you got to try to play the edges a little bit more and, and challenge vertically. But, again, I just don't think LSU has the personnel available – to do something like that. So I'm, I'm somewhere in that 31-21 ballpark. Again, if Ole Miss comes out the way that they have been coming out of the gates, I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. And I, I think that obviously some of this is hinging on Matt Corral's health. Um, you know, if Matt Corral were to not play Saturday, I think that changes a lot. But one, I mean, this game's in Oxford and it's going to be a zoo here um with LSU coming to town and the whole Eli Manning Manning story arc whatever um I think I think that it's it's going to be pretty rowdy and um you know I I I do think that that y'all are both right in saying that um you know Ole Miss has has really been able to dictate the pace of of the games it's played in outside of that first half against Alabama um and so, yeah, no, I, I think that I think that Ole Miss is just a more talented team than LSU, and it's at home uh, in in Oxford. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of where I lean to. And I mean, obviously, I'll I'll get more in depth about um, a score prediction when our predictions piece comes out uh, later this week. But um, that is that is kind of where where I stand. So. Um, all right. Well, we've been we've been going for about I don't know close to an hour probably. Um, anything else you guys want to add? Any any closing thoughts? Well, I, I think that since we all just predicted Ole Miss to win, that that probably means they're going to lose. <laughs> I was going to say what what if what if Coach Hogue goes in there and 
and beats beats Ole Miss after what happened last week against Florida. I know all of these separation agreements and talks were were already ongoing after the their debacle against Kentucky. But I mean, at what point? At what point do you? I don't know. At what point do you backtrack publicly or more likely privately if if LSU somehow with a depleted roster goes on a little bit of a run? It's not going to happen, but just what if, you know, maybe I shouldn't watch that Disney Plus series because my can mind you, Can is... you imagine the PR nightmare that would be for, I mean, not that oh. LSU has been, has been foreign to PR nightmares as of late, but I mean, still, can you imagine what that would be like? I, that's why I'm. I don't understand the timelines of of USC and and LSU in this case. And Miami might be next, right? If if the Canes fall this weekend um, and they play a good NC State team, why why do it mid season publicly? Because if for some reason things change and perception changes, which again, this is college football here, it just it just looks rougher to deal with. I mean, it's not like. USC can sit down with James Franklin right now, right? I mean, it's not like Jimbo is going to say anything positive uh, about potentially going to LSU, even if one of those scenarios happens, because they're coaching at other schools. So the only advantage to me doing this so early is to try to get a jump on the other jobs that are going to come open, because it will be a nice year for uh, Jimmy Sexton's wallet and uh, coaches in general, because some really big and good jobs are going to be open. But again, it, it only works if you're targeting the guys who aren't coaching like Bob Stoops and, and Chris Peterson uh, and those guys. So if, if those aren't the top targets and it's Aranda and Jimbo and Franklin and all these guys that have programs to run right now, I don't get the, the mid season move. Um, it doesn't, are LSU fans even happy? Well, I mean, like, what's the point? I think that it's hard to go back and keep your job if you're bringing mistresses to practice, which is one of the things that – I mean, we're not going to get into everything, but, I mean, that right there, I think – and, you know, this stuff happened with LSU where he said the thing to the fan before the game, and then they went out and they lost the game, and that was super embarrassing and all that stuff. Unless they go on some magical run and beat Alabama and beat Georgia in the SEC championship, which that's not going to happen. You know, he could win the rest of his games besides those, and he's still gone. There's, there's, still, there's still no contest that he won't be brought back. And I don't think that LSU would, would care about the optics at that point. They know what they're getting rid of. They know the, the problems. Um, I do think that, you know, they <laughs> – I think that they know who they want, and I, and that's Jimbo. So you're right, John. I don't know why they made it so public. Like I, it, it didn't make any sense to me why they made it so public. Yeah, you can have the discussion, but why does it have to come to light? Is yeah, it like, just a fear of somebody breaking that big news? I mean, I know SI broke it, but is it, it was going to come out anyway, right? The press conference, all that stuff was set. Is that the fear? Is it just in the 2021 landscape? You can't hold something that big that long. Is, is that what it is? Is that, is it that simple? Yeah. Like, I, I just, I, I don't understand. Like no coach who has asked that question and Hey, you know, I, I respect anybody who put out a Jimbo article going to LSU in the last 24 to 48 hours, because they got a ton of traffic from it. But, what, but why – like, what do you think Jimbo is going to say 
when they ask him about that. What do you think Mel Tucker is going to say? Oh, yeah, I'm, I, that's a really exciting opportunity. I'm really looking forward to, <laughs> to, to, to going after that one. No, like Jimbo just beat Alabama. He's not, you know, he's not going to, and I do think Jimbo stays for more reasons than that, but he's building something there. But he's not going to say in the middle of the season, hey, I'm looking at other opportunities. That's just not going to happen. So LSU's always done things weirdly, and this is just kind of another chapter in that book, I guess. Yeah, and I mean the 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 whole. I mean, since we're talking about coaching vacancies and things where LSU is concerned, um, the the whole the whole Mike Bianco thing last year. I mean that that should be something that's kind of a. I mean, I know this is not a baseball centric podcast right now, but that should be something that's kind of fresh in the in the Ole Miss mind too. Is that you know, hey, thing things with LSU have been kind of floated um for a while just to kind of see what what the public opinion would be and what what others opinions would be and and stuff and i just think that um you know for for Ole Miss fans which i figure that will be our, our primary audience um that's something to to kind of keep in mind but i i, I fully i've always thought that that mid-season coaching what what's the way to phrase it mid-season the the announcement that coaches are going to be leaving at the end of the season has always been kind of weird. Um, and I mean, that even happened at, at Ole Miss with, with football um, in what year was that? 2011 with Houston nut. I mean, it was announced he was not going to be back yeah. um, after that train wreck of a year and he was still allowed to, to coach the rest of the season. So um, no, I mean, I, I think that that's, that's definitely something that, um is is kind of weird optically houston nut uh should be considered for the next lsu for the for the next coach of the lsu tigers i'm putting that on paper i would love to see houston nut get another head coaching job tigers need some hepping you gotta hey, look that. i mean it's it, I, I, our future pot <laughs> a guy that has a track record of winning in the sec west okay has spent time recruiting in in the whole southeastern area. I mean, why would you not give him a call? And he didn't lose to Arkansas forty nine to ten either. That that is that is correct. You are you are correct there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I I do think that it will be, it'll be it it, it it's definitely an interesting first chapter in the, this weekend, knowing that that job is going to be open at the end of the year. And like I said earlier, I mean, it, it's, it is poetic in a, in a sense that that first chapter, you know, where, where everybody knows that Orgeron is kind of a dead man walking in that LSU job, um, it, it comes against Ole Miss. And, you know, and, and, and teams can respond to that different, different ways. And, I mean, I know that's something we've kind of, kind of talked about in this show, but, um, you know, how, how LSU will respond to that news is kind of – kind of yet to be seen, but it, it kind of figures that it's, it's against Ole Miss, right? And I'm, and I'm glad for a business perspective because that, that gives us something to talk about. John Macon, how does O get received when he runs out? I mean, we just saw the antithesis of sportsmanship and class with Tennessee, both pregame and certainly at the end of the game with Lane. How does, how does that even impact how Coach O may be received in, in Oxford? 
are you saying that fans are going to throw things on the field when O runs out? Is I'm that, asking that if they are. I'm not saying they are. I'm asking if they are. And no, I mean, I, I, it'll, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be booze. I mean, the the typical, the typical thing. I mean, I I, I don't think we'll see anything outlandish. Um, you know, as as far as as far as that's concerned, but um, it'll be it'll be probably the same reception that O's received whenever he's come to Oxford before. I mean, it, it'll be a chorus of boos. You know, we'll move on. We'll we'll start the game. Blah 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 blah. I don't I don't think it'll be anything out of the ordinary. I I for one am very very excited to see what the atmosphere is like because I mean I, I wasn't there for the Arkansas game obviously. But I want Lane Kiffin to have – I want a Lane Kiffin team to have the, the kind of atmosphere in Oxford that I know that I've seen before and that I know that the fans are capable of. Because when that thing's packed and they've been in the Grove for, you know, what's it, the game's at 2.30, so they would have been in the Grove for seven hours by then. <laughs> uh, it, can, it can get really rowdy. And now it's all bold. Like it's, it's bold out. It's a bigger stadium than, than the last time I was there, so – um, I think it's going to be a really cool atmosphere, and um, you know, I think Lane's going to have fun with it too. Well, and he's he's certainly been building up to that. I mean he he has kind of sent subliminal messages, not not even necessarily subliminal. I mean, just wanting wanting the thing packed out um, for the Arkansas game, but especially this one. I mean, the athletic department and communications has has really gotten behind that, saying, hey. You know, you've only got so many more opportunities to see Matt Corral, assuming he plays, you know, um, and this is an opportunity to see Eli Manning. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely tried to hammer that point home. Um, and, you know, I, I, I do think that that coming off of a, a COVID-impacted year uh, that came off of the heels of – Ole Miss not being super competitive. I mean, I, I do think that 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 has played somewhat of a role um, in in attendance numbers and and things like that. But you know, I, I I do think that we're we're starting to see. Of course, I'm in Oxford, but I, I do think that we're starting to see um, a reversal a little bit of that trend. Uh, but it will be interesting to see kind of what that what that looks like Saturday. Yeah, I totally agree. It's going to be a really exciting weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you guys um, pitching in and and giving some thoughts. It's a lot more entertaining than than me just sitting and rambling. Um, so, yeah, I, I appreciate everyone who uh, who will listen to this and uh, be sure to to join us next week. <laughs>